Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is your Faves Faves. So first of all, how are you doing? How's life? Where are you talking to us from today? Like, give me, give me the rundown of what's going on on this Thursday. I'm in Toluca Lake, California. I love Toluca Lake. I've written so many books at Priscilla's. It's my favorite coffee shop in oh, the world. It's the best. It's the best. Have you been oh. to Heirloom? Have you been to Heirloom Bakery? That's with the, do they do the pies? No. There's something right there by Heirloom that does, that's famous for pies. It's such a nerdy conversation, but yes. That is that Republic of Pie? Because that's well, I mean, maybe, maybe <laughs> it's been a hot minute since I've been there. Heirloom has really, really delicious blueberry pancakes that happen to be gluten free, but you wouldn't know. It. Okay, okay, anyway, great, good to know. Yes, scorching hot valley. My dad's currently swimming in my pool right now. Nice, <laughs> live that life. Got my dog named Russell, Maltese Yorkie Chihuahua. Life's good. How long have you been into the lake? Maybe two years. Okay. And what was, what did this, did it feel being in that city during lockdown and everything to get out of there for a minute? Yeah. I was lucky enough to have, instead of living in an apartment, which I was most of LA and then living in an apartment, thank God I came back. For some reason, my soul like knew to come back to LA mm. rather than being in New York during that time. And I happened to like buy a house right before then. And I'd just gotten my dog, which was so funny because I was so afraid that like I wouldn't be able to nurture it the way that I wanted to because I just travel so much. And then I end up... Right. No, it wasn't bad. For me, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I liked, I liked being at home. So it wasn't yeah. too rough. And I didn't, yeah, I didn't really go anywhere. Do you feel like this time allowed you to be more creative? Did you think of more content and pieces that you wanted to put out in the world? Or was it more of like a hunkering down? Um, probably both. I took it obviously as an opportunity to, to heal the parts of me that hurt. Cause like the, the minute that I, the, the, the moments before lockdown, it was like the hardest time of my life, heavy, heavy separation from the man that I just married. And so it was like, I got to hunker down and heal as well as write my book. That was when I was like, okay, now's the perfect time as well as joining TikTok because <laughs> I had so much resistance. I was like, I'm never doing TikTok. It's just people that lip sync. It's not true comedy. And then I was like, well, I have nothing else to do. And so I, <laughs> and now I'm, I'm right. Cool. I feel That's like for so many of us, we did all kinds of things that we said we would never do. And in some cases, like beautiful creation that we wouldn't have known about otherwise. Tell me about the book though. Did you write it during COVID or it came out? Like what was the, what was that process? It was that January, 2020 that it, I had decided to uh, write a book because an indie publisher reached out and was like, basically I can help you. I can keep you accountable because left to my own devices, I'm not just going to sit there and write a book. Like that's terrifying to me. But to, when, but if it's for somebody else and somebody else is like, I I mean, right. right. Yes. Externally motivated. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I always wanted to write a book and, and anytime I would go live and talk about healing, you know, people were like, you should write a book. And, and I was like, yeah, I will at some point in my life. And it really wasn't until I got married and then divorced where it was like that thing that happened, that was the thing that needed to happen in order for me to like pull the trigger and be like, you know what, this needs, this story needs to be told. And I'm going to put it in my book and then I'm going to really, right. so I started in January and then it came out like six months later. So it was really yeah. thrown together. 
Yeah. What was the, what was your intention behind it? I mean, obviously you wanted to talk about and sort of create based on what fans were asking for, but what was your hope? Was it you processing or was it you to help other people process? Other people. Hmm. Yeah. Writing, it is cathartic in some way, but I, I left a lot out uh, like details wise. Cause I still at that point had some consideration for the guy um, after the book came out though, a lot of people reached out with their experience with him particularly. So my consideration was like, dang it, I should have read it. I wrote everything. It was crazy. The shit was crazy. It was like I, people that had dated him years ago and t- said like reading your experience with him was like reading my, and I was like, Holy oh, guy wow. So wow. I was, it, writing it, I left a lot out. I wrote more about how I got through it and how to keep your heart open regardless of other people's pain and to not take it personally and to keep, to not generalize experiences, but to keep focused on like what you deserve and all that. So the cathartic, like me, my process, the reason I wrote the book was more to just show all the sides. Cause I think on social media, it's really easy to get caught in that loop of like, I'm just going to show the good stuff and all the funny stuff. And I'm like, yeah, no, there's this me that is not funny at all. And that I really care about like self-help type stuff. And I think that, that yeah. I, I want to share that side. I mean, all the struggles that I've had, which people don't know about, they just assume, Oh, one picture she has, a, she's perfect, you know, whatever they want, right. which is what I do all the time to compare despair. I was like, nah, I need to show the other side of the coin. So I want to be as authentic as possible and connect with as many people in all different ways, you know? Yeah. And uh, like, what were the things in the book that you shared that you feel like are really helpful for someone who is going through a similar situation or that were really great for you that are sort of like your tips or tricks in that space? How when you're honest with yourself or when you take care of yourself, you're taking care of people around you. So oftentimes, you know, I talk about how I was a people pleaser for a really long time and how that actually was doing other people a disservice because they weren't getting my authentic self. I talk about struggles with alcohol, which I had in my teens and early twenties and how, you know, people wait until they're in enough pain to make, to, to change kind of thing. And so I think telling my stories and drunken stories and things like that, laughing it through it, of course, because I'll always find what's funny in a situation, but maybe I, I pictured people reading it and going, Oh, maybe I, maybe it is not, you know, the healthiest to drink that much or maybe it's not normal or maybe, you know, and then how do you get through it and how do you, you don't have to do it alone that you can trust and relax that you're taken care of and you don't have to get it right. And, and that's just not, we're messy or as humans, let's allow ourselves to just be messy. Yeah. I love that. The audiobook for this just came out too. Is that right? Yeah. Audiobook. And in the back, there are like 30 lessons to kind of uplift your mindset and your spirit and your physical body. And I love, I mean, I love when any author reads it because I think you're hearing the inflection, you're hearing the story in the way that they wanted it told. But several times myself, I don't know that people understand how taxing it is I was to record ask, an audiobook. Yeah. I was just going to ask the same thing. I'm, I was going to be like, was it? Oh, I found like it was almost excruciating to sit there that long. Yes. And they, I felt like they kept saying, can you slow down? <laughs> right, right. Well, and what it's so upsetting when you, I don't know if you had this happen, but the the audio equipment is so sensitive. So like I would nail a take and they'd be like, oh, your stomach meat. You're like, no, <laughs> it's 
so frustrating. Your throat is like killing you. And if you're writing about anything emotional, which obviously you are, like I just, I have told about like labor, delivery, an episiotomy, like horrible body. And there's like a 19 year old dude audio tech listening to me like cry about labor. I'm like, well, this is what we're doing today. Yeah, it was almost like it was almost like doing stand up in front of an audience that wasn't laughing because you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that's so like, real. You want I wanted to be like, isn't that nuts, Brian? That that, that happened to me. But he's just like, so you have to kind of shut shut it off and go on audio autopilot because yeah, it can definitely like how often are you sitting there reading your own book? Like it's just not. Right. I, I don't know. Right. I, I didn't do that. So like maybe like little snippets or something, but to read it and go, Oh shit, this happened. Like, did you ever read your own book going, well, this is crazy. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I definitely, I, this sounds like, so whatever, but I, in reading it, like, I don't even remember writing some, okay, that was a good line. That was a good little quote there that you did. And I'm like, I don't remember putting this down on paper. Cause it's sort of like, once you put it to bed, you're like, okay, I've gone through 20 edits. I can't, I think that's the flow, right? Like that's the flow. Like when people are dancing or they're acting or they're writing and you get so lost in it that you realize, you know what, we're all just channels. So in that moment, you forget what you're writing. You're just delivering like that source idea that's just coming through you. And then, yeah, you look back and you're like, I said that. (laughs) so weird. It's so crazy that I am jumping off topic sort of right now, but I feel like you're saying the words that I'm like, you're going to go with me on this. Talking about channeling and source and that kind of energy. I had this, I get insomnia and it's just a part of my life. And when I get insomnia, it's because I can't shut my brain off. I don't know if you have experienced this or maybe listeners have experienced this. I hit this moment where you start to go like, okay, if I can fall asleep right now, then I can get six hours. And then you're like, oh God, okay, no, no. If I can fall asleep now, okay, it's five hours, but that's still five hours. And I freak myself out because I can't shut off my brain. And I'm 38. And for the first time the other night, this was happening and and I was spinning out, but I was, it was the first time that I was like, I get the best ideas. And then I thought, is it, am I just, is this what the universe or the guides or someone is trying to like download things into and my brain? And if we just shifted the way that I was thinking about this time, like, yeah, you're going to be tired tomorrow because you lost three hours of sleep. But like, what did you gain in the process? Yeah, that's a beautiful perspective. I'm the same. I'm similar in that I don't get insomnia, but I also don't have your lifestyle because I know you have have a family. (laughs) So that's, I mean, you have a reason, but the nights that I stay up because I'm either nervous about the next day or I, yeah, there's just stuff that I haven't yet processed. I definitely... I'm already anticipating having a cranky day tomorrow. <laughs> but yeah. And that's that rather than just going, being an acceptance of like, cool, I'm going to have five hours. I wonder, I'm sure I'll still feel amazing. Like setting myself up right. for success. I also notice that I'll sit there. Yeah. And it'll be right now. And then I'll keep having to look at my phone, but I wear like light blue light blocking glasses and then, but they're there and I have to keep putting them on just to write. <laughs> and it gets, yeah, it gets very like, why now? But I guess it's just judgment, you know, it doesn't, right. what it is, it, it is what it is. Right. I totally. Uh, but I find that journaling some, like sometimes if I'm up and it's not ideas coming, it's just like worry or thoughts or concern about something. 
it'll take an hour just for me to get to my journal and then just write, get it energy out onto paper. And then I feel a lot more settled. And then you can, yeah, then you've processed. I know I jumped and started the entire point of this podcast yet. I just get excited and then like want to flow. So on your faves faves, we talk about your five favorite things in any category. Uh, The first question that I always ask is what is your category? Places I've been. Okay, so your five favorite places that you've been. Is this in the world, in the U.S., in L.A.? How are we narrowing it down? In the world. In my house. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> in this room. Okay, that, perfect. Yeah. See that corner? It's amazing. Right. That's it. That's number four. Are there, is this going to be in order? So like from least favorite to most favorite, or this is just a grab bag? Grab bag. Great. Okay, give us number five. Or I guess it's counting down. Sorry. Give us number one. <laughs> Ireland. Oh, I love Ireland. Okay, tell me about your Ireland experience. Driving around with my mom. I surprised her for Christmas. She opened it and realized that we were going to go to Ireland and she started crying and it was so, it was just so amazing. And then we got to drive. She made me drive the whole time because she was so scared to drive on the other side of the road. And we're just driving, (laughs) you know, it's just green everywhere. Felt like, you know, like that movie Leap Year. I always like associating things to movies. But yeah, the places that we stayed, we went to the Blarney Stone, we went to the Cliffs of Mar and Oh, right. And like just all the people with their accents. I mean, the we didn't get the most amazing food. I don't know if we just didn't find it or what, but it was more about the energy. Take at this time Vine was really big and I was on Vine and so we were walking around and I was making vines of us. And I always like to capture funny videos during my trips. And yeah, it was just really green and and energetically wonderful and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I went to Ireland, uh, 2019, maybe. Yeah. I guess pre COVID and just had the most incredible, like it's exactly what you said. It's so beautiful, almost exclusively in the country. We weren't really in cities and we did have amazing food. I feel like that's the secret is like these little like bed and breakfast where that's like a literally grandma's like making you fresh bread and butter and then you're just eating I mean in I guess wait let me back up I basically just ate bread and butter and beer so that's probably right okay there was some delicacy that I didn't know about it was a lot of bread and butter and you're right it was whiskey yeah (laughs) there was a guy named I feel like his name was Thomas Leary but I could be butchering it and he he every morning would bake like slather the eggs and so much butter and we would be like, oh, we're going to go to the Cliffs of Moher. And he'd be like, oh, that's better than men drop their wives. And he would like tell us all these stories about women turning into aliens before his eyes. And we're like, okay, cool. And then to the next place, like it was the people that we met, the places that we stayed that was made it so unique. So rad. Okay. So Ireland is on your list. What else is there? Paris. Oh, right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Give us your Paris love. Movie Midnight in Paris everybody's so fashionable even the old men with their hats and their vests and their I just and I love I'm obsessed with croissants I love the language I love walking around the city it just feels like I'm in a a movie or something it's just right right I feel like uh, I went to Paris years and years ago for the first time and I feel like there is this idea that Parisians are rude or, and I just, I've been so many times, that's never what I found. Like, I always think any time that, especially Americans are visiting other countries, that there is this tendency to sort of not be <laughs> necessarily respectful. Like, I hate when you are an American and you see Americans behaving badly abroad and you're just like, oh God, that's not, 
that's not me. I promise. I'm, oh, the food again. Talk about a place to eat and just to walk. You can walk that city forever. Yeah, which I like, I did, and you eat so much, and you are dropping weight as you're eating. Right. You're just right. Thing is, you're. Just, I just. That's what I love. Is and it's the same thing with the other place that I'll talk about is the walkability and being out of your head and really like present. Yeah. What is is like. Yeah. So Ireland, Paris next. Edinburgh. Edinburgh. I haven't been to Scotland yet. Really want to go. It's like real life Hogwarts. Like it's, it's similar to Ireland and in, in some of the greenery and, and obviously, I mean, the accents are, I love Scottish accents. I love Irish accents, but I think I like Scottish accents more. It's like, I mean, oh, it's just gorgeous. The stones, the, the, the energy there is what I think I like energy. I think energy matters to me. Yeah. Well, and I think both of those have sort of ancient Celtic. Yeah. Stuff going on for sure. I love a good castle. <laughs> and was that on the same trip to Ireland or that was a whole other time? No. So Paris, I went the first time with my dad and then Edinburgh, I went with a cousin, my cousin. Okay. Was about uh, is your family big, big travelers in your family? They are, but they often like, so they'll just kind of go off on their own. It's not like we ever all go together. Like with my dad, it was just me and my dad. My cousin is me, you know, like they kind of scatter if they can, you know, if, you know, the only other I've been fortunate enough, my fam I've been fortunate enough to make the money that I make to take my family. I think the rest of my family kind of stays put, so I always visit them. But yeah. the cousins that I have in Canada and and they live in Whistler, Canada, which was gonna be a place that I picked because it's so beautiful and to snowboard, but so beautiful. not on the list. They're they're travelers, but we don't ever okay. really go together other than like got it. Okay. And not important at all. <laughs> it's like and then the cousins that live in Seattle, they never go to <laughs> <laughs> no, I asked the question. I'm always curious because I think I grew up not traveling at all. That wasn't a part of my family's. It wasn't something that people could afford, but also there was a lot of fear around leaving even just our hometown. So I really didn't discover travel until I was an adult. And even then it was like clunky and hard. I didn't know what I was doing. And I was like wearing my passport under my clothes. So I thought like I was going to be robbed at any moment. It was very dramatic. So it took me a while to learn. You're right. There is that moment before you go somewhere that you need a passport, like Europe or something. I remember people always used to be like, you gotta go to Europe. And I would always, it would always be this thing that felt so foreign and far away. And like, there's no way that could ever happen. It just seems really scary. Yeah. Then once you do it, it is kind of like crossing this line. And then you feel like the world is actually, it is a large place where it starts to feel like more doable and smaller somehow. Like, oh, totally. Well, and I know it's weird right now, obviously COVID prevents so much travel for us, but I do think that when you start to travel internationally, it feels so far and then, yeah, it's long. It's a 10 hour flight or a 12 hour flight or whatever, but you do it. And then you're like, oh, I watched, you know, three movies and read a little bit of a book or slept or whatever. And now I'm in an entirely different continent and it's so incredible and I, I guess I'm saying this if there are people listening, because there always are who yeah. maybe haven't traveled or tried or whatever, just man, maybe go somewhere local, push, push your boundaries. We can't travel internationally very easily, but it's worth, it's worth expanding because it really does change your worldview of everything. It does. It, it really does. I definitely suggest anyone thinking about it, just pull the trigger, do it. That reminded me of when you're talking about the flight on the flight back from Ireland with my mom, we were about five hours in. 
and we had watched like a movie or something. We were about, we had five hours left. I remember she like reached over and she was like, I'm so sorry, Manon, but I can't do this. <laughs> like she was going to jump out of the plate. Like she was like confessing that like this, I'm sorry, but it's not going to work. And I'm like, there's, you have no choice. You're on- right. We're in, we are in this. We are here. No. Why are you talking to me? Like you're going to jump off the plane or like just swallow something that just. You know, right. Right. Like, it, I'm like, done. You'll stuck. You'll like think of any way out to get out. Cause right. I feel like that's the hardest part is the flight. Everything else is just like wonderful. Yeah. We have three. Where is your next favorite place? Rome. Rome. Okay. Yes. Tell us about your trip to Rome. Well, I went to Rome with my sisters, but they, they're sisters. And same kind of thing, the walkability, all the, the ruins and the cathedral. Right all that so but the reason why it stuck out so much well the pizza I mean that's like a, a given food like, I mean it's not just like I can't it's just so different than it is here in America especially LA I mean, like why even eat pizza here once you taste that <laughs> um well because pizza's pizza there's nothing better than bread and cheese what are you gonna do um, right. but there was a moment where I was going on this bridge I think they called it like the bridge to nowhere and it was like right before, I guess, Vatican City or the, the Vatican thing. And I remember walking on this bridge and I remember like I was losing my breath and I was like, what the hell is going on? And I remember like staring off of the bridge, looking at water or some scenery. And I remember feeling this feeling of like pure bliss, heartache and longing. But it was like a it was a feeling that was so familiar. But I felt like in this lifetime, I had not experienced it but I remembered something deep that happened. Mm. That mm. And so I feel like I was experiencing like a past life there. And so it just left me feeling really, really powerful. And from the rest of the trip, I feel like my life changed from that moment on the bridge. Wow. Wow. Really strange. Yeah. I mean, have you experienced something like that before? Not like that. Mm. No. And when was that? 2016, I want to say. Okay. How do you feel like that? This is a very deep question, but like, how do you feel like the awareness of sort of the ancientness? Wow. I did. I maybe just made up a word there of our being our soul. Cause if you believe in past lives and that's something that sort of, you believe that this is not your first time around, or maybe even your hundredth time around, like, how does that change your perspective on how you view this lifetime? Well, it, not that nothing matters. It's just all nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> like, obviously, be a good person, be kind, spread love, be helpful where you can, and no one's thinking about you. It just doesn't matter. Right. Oh, right. The weight off. It's just like, yeah. All we're so small, we're so insignificant. I'm probably going to do this again. I've probably done it. No wonder I've walked around for so long being like, nothing is amusing to me. I have seen all this before so many times. I've had that happen. And I'm like, what's wrong? Like, what is that? Why am I thinking that way? And then I'll ask my friends, like, do you ever think you've just like seen this all before? And they're like, what? <laughs> so, like, you know, I, I do believe it just kind of confirmed that, like, I'm sticking to the belief that I have been here before and that there are past. Yeah. And maybe I know something that some other people don't know. And then when you meet the people that feel like they know what, you know, I could come across as a loony tune right now, 
that's totally. Oh, I know. I totally a million percent believe in this. And I feel like what came up for me in uh, the last year and COVID and the stress of how hard everything has been was this like bone deep weariness for lack of a better, just like so tired in a way that that doesn't encompass it. The last year was is a year and a half was so freaking hard, but it was something other. And I felt like, so people are going to think I'm a loon. We'll just be loonies together. I felt like it was like a, an energy of like having had to live through hardship so many times before that there's a piece of my spirit. That's just like, not again, like not again, like this is too much to carry. This is too hard. I give up. I don't. And so that at least however this sounds to listeners who don't believe in this, it was really helpful for me to like, if this isn't my first go around, then this also isn't the first time that I've gone through um, something as hard as this last year. And so I'm, I'm going to like own that there's a piece of my heart that's just weary, that can't always go a hundred miles an hour, that can't hustle my way through it. Like that needs to rest in how, how hard it feels right now. Yeah. And particularly with social media and media in general, I, at least from what we know in history, from what history has taught us, we've, this could be the hardest that it's ever been mentally for a lot of people because, I mean, right. we know, but mentally we're not supposed to be taking in so much dang information and know every single little thing about everybody's lives because we're just right. to have so much intake. We're meant to be present and being and, and like living differently. And so think it can be very very harmful and I oftentimes just want to shut it off and throw my phone yeah in the forget it I'm not, right. I'm not doing it it's not worth it it's not worth right trying to have an empire like who gives it I, I you know so right. I, I I teeter with okay I want to make millions of people laugh I want to make them heal and I want to help and spread the message to okay but I also need to be sane and take care of myself and I just don't know how much value I'm getting and so I'm, I'm working on being more intentional with when I go to mm-hmm. rather than right. unconsciously picking it up you know for a long time I'm, I don't I've gone in this habit of being going on my phone without thinking okay what am I going to provide the people that follow me how can I help I'll go with how can I feel better or confirm that I'm not enough, <laughs> you know? Right, right. I, no, I completely do know. I had to make a, a really conscious shift away from consumption of social in the last year, but definitely like the last six months. I really don't consume it at all. Every once in a while, like my friend just had a baby and I like went to look at baby pictures or whatever. Uh, but I really, I just can't. Because I feel like I've suffered as a creator. I feel like I'm not as creative. I feel like I'm not writing as much. I'm not doing a lot of the things that I feel like make me me. And I do have to ask the question of like, does this ever make me feel better? Yes. When Beyonce posts an outfit photo and I get to see it and I love her. Yes, that does make me feel better. But most of the time, I'm I'm just going to consume something that like I didn't need to see. And uh, you know, I find I, really interesting. This is uh, a random question, and I don't know about your relationship that we, we started talking about. But in my, I got divorced last year, and my relationship was very public, very much on social, very much a part of social, and had these fans who are not just fans of me, but who are fans of us. And then when us didn't work, that the backlash from that 
was wild to me. Like I still don't know that I can do enough therapy to get over strangers being upset with me for not being married anymore. But I made a conscious decision, and this was part of sort of pulling back from consuming social. I haven't publicly put, I'm in a relationship, um, and I haven't, I mean, I've said it, I've said that I'm in a relationship, or I've talked about it on whatever, but I, he hasn't talked about me on his social, and I haven't talked about him on mine, because I really want to hold pieces sacred that I didn't understand I should have in the past. Um, is that something that you experience, or like, what are your thoughts on that? We have the same, almost the same. I got divorced last year too, 2020. And the relationship was very public and people fell in love with our love story. It was a fantasy, uh, like what fantasy come true for me. Um, so I shared it, of course, because I was like, well, this is my husband. Like, why wouldn't right. I share it? Right. Um, so when that didn't work out, I felt... I waited until we were really, really separated to announce that, oh, we didn't work, which was very confusing because we had just gotten married. But yeah, I felt an embarrassment. Like, so I'm not ever going to share about a relationship again because I never want to go through that again. So right. I don't want to make sure that my, my new relationship is sacred perfect word. And there's no fluff. I'm not fluffing it up with anybody's opinions or, you know, cause everybody enhanced it by going, Oh my God, you found your perfect match. You literally did. A, and it would make me feel like, yes, I'm so lucky. And then it would distract me from what ended up blowing up in my face, which was, you know, I right. had a betrayal situation, which was like a dirty John con artist type thing. This is what I wrote about in my book. So, you know, I'm lucky in that, in the sense that no one's saying you shouldn't have, they're all like, good right. job. So <laughs> yeah. I can't even imagine what that, what you went through, what that would have been like props to you for getting through it. I mean, that would ruin me just keeping it. It's just yours. Mm -hmm. You can see right. it the lens of just you, not everybody's opinion yeah. and ideas. Right. And it is so weird because I think I'm sure you experienced this. Like when you have a, a, a group of people, when you have a community online, that have supported you and your stuff and whatever, it does feel like I have women who've been coming to have me sign their books for a decade. The, like I know them, I know their name. I'm like, Oh my gosh, how are you? They're, they're like my, they're not my friends, but they feel like my friends. And so for the longest time, I felt like you could show up on social or you could show up in this space as yourself. Here's, Oh my gosh, we did this thing or here's, and it, it just, I don't know if you like sort of hit a tipping point where that kind of gets out of control or maybe even people who don't have public personas feel this as well, that it felt like there was like this third person in our marriage, which was the fan who wanted us to be together. So, and didn't want us to ever have problems. And I mean, cause that was when it happened, people were like, why didn't you tell us that you were struggling? I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, First of all, we had talked quite a lot about the issues in our marriage. We, we had a podcast together. We talked about it a lot. But more than that, like, why do you think that it would be appropriate for me to process that with you? Sweet human that you are, but total stranger. So yeah, so this time around, I'm just sort of like, this thing is happening. And it's really beautiful, but it's mine. It's not for them. Um, but I just was curious what you were, what your thoughts are. Oh, 100%. We're so impressionable. And even though I don't love to admit it, I think we all affect each other, even just with 
written words online. And right. we, don't, we didn't, when grouping you in with me, we didn't know the agreement we were making when we got on social media. We didn't know like, oh, okay, right. what this will mean is that you will start to have people weighing in on every single little thing you do and their opinion, they're going to have opinions, even though they're not creating the same content, they're not being as vulnerable with themselves. They're still going to have an opinion and you're going to have yes. to it and block it out. Like, wait, right. What? Right. And, and people don't understand because they'll, it'll be like, oh, well, what they said wasn't, it wasn't that big a deal. I'm like, you don't understand that that's the 20,000th time someone has dug at something and it just become it it is and it, I'm not like I'm so freaking blessed I'm so lucky I I like all of I own all of that but I do think that there is it, it is a it's a hard thing to navigate because it's exactly what you said none of us knew what this meant and now I don't know that you can really have a brand or promote things or put stuff out in the world and not be present on social. I don't know how you do that effectively. I guess if you're like a really successful celebrity already, maybe, but I don't know, I don't know how it's possible to to grow. And so it's just this the tension of holding the tension between, you know, what the work you're trying to do and put out in the world and also this medium that we need to use to do it. Yeah. And then constantly reminding yourself that the people that don't have a platform, that's their way of being powerful. Is right. That one comment made them feel that in, that it's important that they're in, right. in that moment and being like, you know, cause I used to let negative comments. Well, first I was like, Oh, they're, they're in pain. I'm going to send them love. <laughs> first was like on social media. Cause I just had more level of a head of like seeing things for what they are. And then he right. goes by and all of a sudden someone's like, Oh, she's gaining weight. And I'm like, Ooh, ah, how could you right. like, you see the truth, you know, cause you don't get mad if she's, if they say, Oh, she's uh, purple, an alien. I, right. <laughs> what? You know? So it's like, it really, you really have an opportunity to like heal the parts of you that hurt, or you have no other option, but to go down a deep spiral and let your ego take the best of you and just like become not who you are. And just like, yeah, it's been, I've had all ups and downs about my relationship, everything. And, and I realized, you know, the people that say negative things, I don't think they really get that it, that it affects the person that they're saying it to, or that it, yeah, I, I, agree. I think they think it's this, I don't know. Cause I remember people doing TV shows back in the day. And it's like, they never heard people's comments on the TV show. They just went and did their yeah. work and they'd go home. Right. And you either watch the show, which is how that person got to keep working or you didn't. And then that show went off the air. It's also this crazy thing that exists on social is that I feel like we used to consume content created by people that we liked, or we didn't like them and we didn't consume their content. And now people follow you because they don't like you to make sure that you know that you suck. <laughs> it's crazy. If you look at a TV and you're scrolling if you don't like a channel, you just keep scrolling, right? You don't right. stop at the channel and then just start yelling at the TV. Right. <laughs> but now it's just like, that's why I don't understand. I'm like, why are, if you don't like it, like literally, why are you stopping to tell me? Like, yeah, that person might, must be like really needing to be heard. Yeah. Right. The other right. thing, like that's a, another thing. It's not what social media is for. It's a, it's not for that. 
Like there's just a lot of misplaced parts. Sure. Place number yeah. five is New York. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I was like, how am I going to segue this? <laughs> yes. Well done. Yes. So Mark, let's talk. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say Maui or something. Cause obviously uh, the ocean's nice, but I lived in New York and it's just, it's magic. Like it's never going to yeah. not be magic to me. I moving there was such a big blessing again, walking around being out of my head, central park. I'm always listening. I listen to my music constantly. Frank Sinatra, just looking up like anything's possible. It just feels like so much is possible when I'm walking around in New York. So for that, it'll yeah. always be in my top five. Oh, I love that. Well, this was a fantastic conversation. I know we didn't stay on theme with our numbers. We did find our way back. Thank you for that, you know, helping me out with actually hosting the show. The man and I really, I really dug our conversation. I appreciate your willingness to talk vulnerably and authentically about what's going on in your life and why you wrote this book. If uh, people are listening and they want to grab a copy or listen to audiobook, like tell them where they can find you on social and where they can find the book, like give us all the juicy details. Yes, the book, definitely on hard, soft copy, whatever is on Amazon and somewhere else that I don't know. Uh, the, the audiobook is on Audible. I have a podcast that we're gearing up to do season two of called Serious But Funny, B-U-T-T, where we go all things impro- improvisation, deep, all the things. And then, yeah, find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook at Manon Matthews, Manon with one N. And then Matthews with one T. Yeah. Or at Priscilla's in Toluca Lake. Yeah. Or at Heirloom, because I'm there a lot. If you really want to see me. <laughs> but it was really nice to see you as well. Like, such a pleasure. You too. Yeah, thank you. And I hope, I've said this to everyone that I've done a Zoom interview with this year, but I hope that at some point in life we get to meet in real life. Uh, but it was fantastic to get connect with you today. You too. Your Faves Faves is hosted by me, Rachel Hollis. The show is edited by Andrew Weller with production support from Sterling Coates. Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. Your Faves Faves is a 3% chance production.